I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. For 10 years, the Bay Bridge has sparkled every night from dusk to dawn. The glittering installation stretches along 300 cables on the western span of the bridge. It's called the Bay Lights, the work of renowned artist Leo Villarreal. The idea behind the privately funded art project was to give the Bay Bridge a little more glamour and attention. It's being called the world's largest LED light sculpture, and it uses over 25,000 lights. When you're competing with the Golden Gate Bridge, you better do something, right? Local residents cheered as the installation was unveiled in 2013. But in six weeks, the Bay Lights may go dark forever. Chronicle columnist Heather Knight hopes that won't happen. She says that at a time when San Francisco is facing a number of serious challenges, keeping the Bay Lights shimmering would help brighten a city that needs reasons to stay hopeful. The art installation needs millions of dollars to stay alive, and Heather wrote about a campaign to raise those funds in a recent column. Chronicle urban design critic John King has a different perspective. He hasn't been a fan of the Bay Lights since they first turned on a decade ago. He believes in public art, but he thinks the light installation has outlasted its benefits and should come down. What do you think? Today on Fifth Emission, Heather Knight and John King join me to debate the value of the Bay Lights. Will a handful of millionaires be able to preserve them? And if not, what kind of public art does San Francisco need right now? John and Heather, thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks. So, Heather, I'd love to start with you. The Bay Lights first went up in 2013, and they've become a signature part of the San Francisco skyline. You wrote a recent column about the lights and their uncertain future, and you're in favor of keeping the installation in place, even though it would require millions of dollars in fundraising. What do the Bay Lights mean for you? Well, apparently John King disagrees with me, but I think that they are gorgeous. They've become a real attraction to locals and tourists alike. I think especially now when we're at such a precarious point, we've had such a rough few years in San Francisco, it would just be sad if we lost that symbol of entering San Francisco and the idea in the future would be even more spectacular. What does it make you feel when you look at them? I'm just always in awe when I happen to um, cross their paths at night on the Embarcadero. I think they're gorgeous, and you can kind of get entranced by watching the constantly changing abstract patterns. It's not really any shape in particular. It's just kind of like a screensaver, I guess. You know how you can just, like, stare at it for a while. Oh, is that a down point, John? He's he's giving me (laughs) the evil eye. (laughs) But I think they're gorgeous, and I love public art that's free. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything in San Francisco is so expensive. That's, like, a great free experience to walk on the Embarcadero at dusk and see the lights turn on, and it's a real one-of-a-kind, only-in-San-Francisco type of display. Mm -hmm. Now, in just six weeks, the Bay Lights are scheduled to go dark. Why are they shutting off? They're broken. They're just failing. Originally, it was going to be a temporary installation, and they said it would be permanent. But Ben Davis, founder of Illuminate, whose idea this was in the first place, acknowledges that he thought the lights would last longer than they have. They're just not working. There's bald patches where some of them have just permanently broken, and they need either a major fix or just kind of start again. Tell me about what it will take to save these lights. And will the city be on the hook in any way to keep them up? Nope. That's another reason why I'm pro-Bay Lights. This would all be privately funded. It's not going to come out of schools or homeless programs or anything else that's more important. Hopefully, the idea is that Ben Davis will find 10 really wealthy people who can donate $1 million apiece, and then they would raise the 11th million from people like us who cannot cough up 
$1 million, <laughs> smaller donations. So in total, he needs $11 million to recreate this exhibit that would be twice as big as it is now, viewable to far more people around the Bay, and kind of create a wall as you're entering San Francisco in your car that would be a spectacular sort of welcome to San Francisco entryway. Now, John, turning to you, the possibility of the Bay Lights turning off forever might appeal to you. You've been vocal about your dislike for the installation since its inception. What was your impression of the Bay Lights when you first saw them about 10 years ago? I was expecting to really enjoy them. I thought it was cool, large-scale, audacious. I'm a guy who likes big buildings, tall buildings, big infrastructure. So I thought, you know, this will be great. Mm -hmm. And instead, once I went down to the Embarcadero and really walked it and spent some time there, uh, this is a word that overlaps. To me, it was kind of like a screensaver. But it's like a screensaver that had nothing to do with the screen it was on. Mm. It's not an installation that brings out the inherent strengths of the design of the bridge. It just treats the bridge as a canvas to splash random LED patterns over. Mm. Now, 10 years later, have your feelings changed about it, your impression on it? No. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, there are a lot worse things. But to me, it, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Wow. <laughs> Bingo. That is a there, bad there's, motto. There's the blurb. <laughs> you know, and and it's kind of fun as a as a like a backdrop for selfies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel it really adds anything. If you're going to have it, adding it to the south side of the bridge is good because it should be at least both sides of the bridge. Mm-hmm. But then the idea of also putting the lights inside above the lanes just to me is really a jarring idea that there's an inherent strength and power to the bridge that is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's very different than the Golden Gate Bridge. There are very different experiences driving across them. And to suddenly kind of be trapped inside a big light show, (laughs) you know, if I did it once, I would think this is super cool. To me, it just kind of would like just keep going on and on and on. So that's just the churlish old guy I am. Well, you're an urban design critic, John, and in a 2014 Chronicle piece, you called it, quote, the visual equivalent of background music. I just want you to explain a little bit more of your critique. Basically, the bay lights are background music. They're cool. You know, there's, they're undeniably cool, but they don't add any additional strong layers to the skyline or the urban landscape or anything like that. They're a cool idea for a light show that was dreamed up by some guy, and he got the Metropolitan Transportation Commission to let him use the Bay Bridge to put it on. Mm. Uh, It's interesting. If you go back to when it went from being a two-year installation to a supposedly permanent installation, initially he was going to raise the money from the masses because everybody loved the bridge, everybody loved the Bay Lights, everybody loved it on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. And he didn't raise much money. So then it became, we're going to get some money from big donors so that the masses can enjoy this Mm -hmm. thing they all love. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of, I'm going to find 10 guys to write me checks for a million dollars each. I'm sure he's called Joe Lacob because that would be a great backdrop (laughs) for when there's the aerial shot of, you know, Chase Center during a Warriors game type of thing. Good idea. I'm. It, I hear the phone right now. <laughs> to me, it's good, but it's not nearly as substantial as what it is illuminating. Mm, mm-hmm. you, know, you see more and more buildings as LED technology gets 
more advanced. Mm -hmm. More and more buildings are having their tops lit up, having various things. And it's kind of fun as part of the mix, but it's rare that it capitalizes on what's there, which is the true artistic vision, that you can take something and make it more profound and more dazzling. And that doesn't happen at the Bay Bridge, and the Bay Bridge is really big. Mm -hmm. Now, Heather, uh, John is talking or critiquing the purpose of the lights, and you spent some time with Ben Davis, mm -hmm. the, the guy who made it happen. What did he share with you about the original vision and purpose of the installation? And the idea came to him, you described it well, as a canvas on which these lights could be. So he described it as uh, back in 2010, he was at the ferry building having a very early morning coffee and watching the sun rise between the cables of the Bay Bridge. And he knew that the bridge was about to celebrate its 75th birthday, that it had long been overshadowed by the Golden Gate Bridge, which is far more famous and far more likely to be on postcards and guidebooks and mm -hmm. mugs and everything else. Um, so he said, why has this workhorse bridge, which is so essential to the Bay Area, been so overlooked and kind of forgotten? He called it the Cinderella Bridge. And he thought, well, how about for its birthday, we could do some big light show. And he teamed up with light artist Leo Villarreal, who designed it in the window seat of the water bar on the Embarcadero with his computer kind of gazing at the bridge um, over many months. And in my opinion, I know you disagree, <laughs> they came up with a really spectacular piece of art. And I don't think the idea is to make it some Mona Lisa of the skyline or anything, but I think it it adds a lot of just fun and whimsy to San Francisco. And mm -hmm. I think that just the timing of it going dark right now is really significant. Mm. We've gone through so many hard years with the pandemic and the drug crisis and homelessness and frustration. I mean, you can read my email inbox any day and know how frustrated San Franciscans mm -hmm. are. And I mm -hmm. just think that this going dark right now permanently would just be kind of another sad kind of slap in the face. And I think if wealthy people who obviously have so much money to spend and hopefully will be spending more on a variety of good causes funded this, it could kind of be, you know, something special for the Bay. More with urban design critic John King and Total SF podcast host and columnist Heather Knight after a quick break. Could $11 million be better spent elsewhere in service to San Francisco residents? John and Heather, duke it out. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. John King, before the break, Heather argued that San Francisco could use some whimsy, which she thinks the Bay Lights bring. You argue that public art should be seasonal or temporary. The Bay Lights became a permanent fixture, and so many people enjoy it simply for its beauty. Isn't there value in that, too? I think Heather makes a real good point about the timing mm -hmm. and just the notion that with everything else going on, do we need another flickering out of the old magic? That said, Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it. one of the things I like about seasonal art is the kind of short-term drama. Like the Embarcadero Center gets lit up for a month a year. And all of a sudden, you know, these big computer card-like slabs of concrete become this dramatic accent to the skyline. If it was there all the time, it would be like, oh, yeah, that must be the Embarcadero Center. Um, there's something to be said for kind of punctuation and kind of leave them wanting more. 
I think that the Embarcadero Center would be well served to be lit up all the time, too. Downtown is a <laughs> ghost town. Nothing's happening. We just had a story about how San Francisco is dead last in North American cities for recovery in terms of activity downtown. So anything that can bring people to the city, especially that part of the city, I think is valuable. And I like the fact that the city is lit up more than it used to be with the mm-hmm. light show on top of the Salesforce Tower. City Hall is always lit in different colors, mm-hmm. depending on different holidays or when our sports teams are in championships or something, there's always a different display there. I personally like that, and I think that the city looks more magical with all this light. But that's a great point, because like, I love the city hall, the lighting done there. But it's also lighting that is keyed to life as we are living it and as we know it. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, super cool, you know, city hall's blue because the Warriors are in the playoffs again. You know, things like that, there's like this kind of visceral connection And with the Embarcadero Center, it's like it's the holiday season. There's the Embarcadero Center. And it's almost like you kind of know the layers of the city if it's just this kind of um, omnipresent wash. It's not a bad thing, but, you know, it doesn't kind of have that spark, which is fast. I mean, that's but that's what I love about cities is that, you know, we can see them in so many different ways. If you were going to imagine a different kind of light installation for the Bay Bridge, what would that look like? Or are you suggesting no lights? I love the tracing. You know, I love the way that it was done when the bridge turned 50 with with that stroke that really says, hey, this isn't the Golden Gate Bridge. We don't have this kind of surreal beauty, this effortless, iconic beauty. But you know what? We're pretty proud of what we are. We're this big, rugged bridge that has a concrete anchorage in the middle of the bay, and it just goes zoof, voof, 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 and then it hits Rincon Hill. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool to me. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the Golden Gate Bridge is just the way it was built. It's spectacular. I don't think that needs a light show because it's the Golden Gate Bridge. But the Bay Bridge is just never really thought of. Ben Davis had a good line in my column about how – you know, the only reason people think about the Bay Bridge is that they're annoyed they have to be driving across it. So this is mm. kind of a nice way to celebrate what is actually a really crucial piece of Bay Area infrastructure. At the same time, Heather, people could look at $11 million. That is so much money. And even though it's coming from private funds, not public, couldn't there be a critique made on $11 million could be spent on so many different things? You know, like you mentioned, there's so many pressing issues in the city. Yeah, but I mean... That's always the case. And so why fundraise for anything that's not like the most essential hmm. thing right now then? Mm-hmm. Like why should anybody give to the opera or the ballet? Like those aren't the most crucial things we could be spending on. Plus this area is awash in money. There are so many billionaires living in San Francisco mm-hmm. who I would argue are not giving back to the public at near levels they should be. Mark Benioff is pretty much the only one you hear about on a regular basis, and he can't be tapped for everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, Ben Davis made the point that he is not saying, say, Joe Lacob, I don't know that he's really a donor, we're pretending, um, that Joe Lacob shouldn't be giving to you know, um, the food bank. He's just saying everybody should be giving more. Mm -hmm. You know, there's such a time of need right next to such a time of wealth. Like, let's spread the wealth a little bit more. And public art is important in and of itself, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all argue for the value of public art in the city. John, do you have an idea of what would be an ideal public art project that would be really valuable for San Francisco in the ways that Heather is describing for the Bay Lights? I don't know. If 10 plutocrats called me and said, we were about to write 
our checks for a million dollars each to Ben Davis, and then we read your column, and so what's your idea, Big Shot? Mm-hmm. Um, if that happens, I'm going to be <laughs> mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say give the $10 million to the India Basin Waterfront Park that Park and Rex is hoping to build. Mm. Basically, they envision this Chrissy Field scale public open space along the shore in the southeast part of the city. And it's already underway, but for it to happen the way they imagine it, they need a lot more money. Mm. And to me, that's something that would be super cool. I mean, I like the strokes of the unexpected. Like Heather talked about lighting up downtown and giving people a reason to go there. The last two Decembers, there's been something called Glow SF, I think, that puts art on the side of downtown skyscrapers and big buildings mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. It's this real novelty. People come down and visit it. Families come down to see it. If that was going 365 days a year, probably it would peter out after a few weeks. But I think a really good point that Heather made in the podcast and in her column and also one that Ben Davis made is it's not a question of diverting money to this. It's a question of digging a little deeper in the mm-hmm. pockets. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, as Heather said, there are a lot of really rich people in this area. I mean, there are so many billionaires here for which $1 million is like us spending 20 bucks. You know, I mean, they can do this if they want to. Right. Well, then on that note, Heather, do we know how this campaign is going? Your column got quite a bit of attention. How is Ben Davis's mission going? I talked to him the other day, and he's not ready to say any names. Joe Lacob is not really. We've (laughs) dropped his name several times. Let's just keep saying it, Joe Lacob. But he says there are several people who've expressed interest. He kind of described it as waiting for each other. Like nobody wants to write the check for a million and then the rest don't come through and what happened to that million. So I think they kind of want it all together. We're all giving this money and he's confident that it's going to happen. Okay. So I guess we'll wait and see. There's so many things to debate about in the city. I'm just happy we're debating about something like this. Yeah. So thank it you both. A nice change yes. of pace. Thank you both. I appreciate the time. Well, let's go have a drink at Water Bar later. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> John King is the Chronicle's urban design critic, and Heather Knight is a columnist and the co-host of the Total SF podcast. To find their competing takes on the Bay Lights installation, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. And don't miss Heather co-hosting the Total SF podcast with Peter Hartlop. That show comes out every Friday. It's about all kinds of things that are special by the Bay. Thank you to Sarah Feldberg for producing this episode and to King Kaufman for editing it. Thanks for listening.